Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Since the beginning of this month, I have been focusing on how our heritage. And so, today, I will bring to you the message. Uh, the purpose of the message today is to give us an idea as to where the Seventh-day Adventist Church is coming from and where it is going. So I ask you to join me in this message today. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the honor of being in your house today. We open your words and we pray that you will speak to our hearts. Remind us of from whence we have come, O oh God, and we pray that you will continue to guide us on our journey until we reach our final destination in glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Now I want to begin by asking you a question. Where is Jesus now? And then uh, if you are going to answer, I would say, you would say to me that he's in heaven. Am I right? But he's also here too. But the next question is, what is he doing in heaven? He is doing many things in heaven, but particularly he is uh, carrying out a very important and serious function. So now I want you to, want you to go with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. And verse 12. And the writer says, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. I also want us to go to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. It says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and do what? Seal the book even until when? To the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Here Daniel was in vision. And the Lord gave him a message. It was a two-part message. First, the message was for his day. And then the message is for our day. So, there was a book that was shot in the book of Daniel that is being opened today and that book we believe is the book of Revelation because the word Revelation comes from the word Apocalypse which means to unveil or to open or to reveal. So the book of Daniel is the only one of its kind in the Old Testament. It is called apocalyptic literature. 
the only one of its kind in, in the Old Testament, and its counterpart is the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. So today, we're going to look at what the message of Revelation combined with the message of Daniel is to the church of God. Now, Daniel was told to close the book until the time of the end. Now, in Bible, we talk about the end of time and we talk about the time of the end. We are presently not yet at the end of time. So we believe that the time of the end begun, the, 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 the time of the end begun in A.D. 1844. How do we arrive at that date? The difference between the time of the end and the end of time is the time of the end will take you down to the end of time. So when the end of time comes, we will be ushered into eternity. Now we are living in time, but one day we will be living in eternity. Time ends. Time is filled with perplexities and problems and troubles. But when we come to the end of time, then God will usher us into eternity. And now we are living in the end, in the time of the end. Now as I ask you the question, how do we arrive at this date? Now, the time of the end start, started at the moment Jesus entered upon the second phase of his heavenly ministry. Jesus entered on his mediatorial ministry in A.D. 1844, which marks the beginning of the time of the end. Here... We see also that the time of the end refers to, well, the, the end of time will bring in the second coming of Jesus Christ. But right now we are preparing for that. The time of the end refers to that period just before the appearing of the Son of God. So Jesus Christ is actually getting ready to come to earth. One of the things I believe why Jesus has not yet come is that there are many who are not yet ready. And so he wants us to get ready. Now when we talk about the time of the end and 1844, there is one name that comes up very prominently to us as the, the remnant church. And that is the name William Miller. He was the one who came up with this, with this uh, number AD 1844. But let's go along here and see uh, what we can find here. Now, William Miller was a Baptist Christian who started reading the Bible, especially the book of Daniel. 
as he read through that book, he came upon something in that book that caused him to believe that Jesus Christ would return to earth in A.D. 1844. And of course, Jesus Christ did not come because we are still here. This has gone down in history as the great disappointment. It was a great disappointment. And in his book, When Time Shall Be No More, the great historian by the name of Paul Boyer offers an example of the deep, oh yes, despondency and the suffering of those who waited for Jesus to come and he did not come at that time. Now in the words of one tragically disappointed believer, these are the words she says, our fondest hopes and expectations were blasted. And such a spirit of weeping came over us as I never experienced before. We wept and wept till the day dawned. Jesus Christ did not come. William Miller and the early pioneers, they predicted that Jesus Christ would come in October 22, A.D. 1844. That was a great disappointment. Here we find that, as I said before, William Miller was a preacher. But who was he? Who was he? He was born in February 15, 1782 and died December 28, 1849. I also discovered that he was a second Advent preacher, meaning that in his preaching, he taught that Jesus Christ would return. He was not only a second Advent preacher, but he, he started preaching in the autumn of A.D. 1831. Also, he was a Sunday keeper, a Baptist preacher. But God used him mightily to bring to the minds of those around him the end time message. So he was one of the pioneers of the Seventh-day Adventist church who was converted from the Baptist church to the Adventist church, William Miller. Now, Let's look a little at this great disappointment and why it came. When Miller and the pioneers looked for Jesus to come, he did not return. They were, great, they were greatly disappointed. And when Jesus did not return as they expected, oh, many of them returned to, their, to what they used to do before. They throw off their faith completely. And they did not worry to follow Jesus Christ because of their disappointment. You know, sometimes we are disappointed in life. We are disappointed uh, about the church. We are disappointed about the preacher. We are disappointed about the people. We are disappointed about many things. But I just want to encourage you today 
that merely being disappointed is no reason to give up on God. No reason. But you know, uh, when, 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 when Jesus did not return, there were those who never gave up. There were those who waited. There were those who read. There were those who prayed. There were those who worshipped. So some refused to give up their hope. And eventually uh, replaced their disappointment with a new zest for the study of the word of God. And today we are rejoicing in the message of the Seventh-day Adventist Church that belts the globe. Because there were those, although they were disappointed, although they were saddened, although they miscalculated the, the, the date in the scripture, yet they went back and they diligently searched and they, they applied the word of God and the Holy Spirit illuminated their understanding. And as a result, oh yes, they kept on going for Jesus Christ. Oh they would later learn that Christ have in A.D. 1844 moved into the Holy of Holies in heaven to begin the investigative judgment. You see, judgment, the, the judgment of God is in three phases. Number one, and of course, those of you who are acquainted with how the court works and, and jurisprudence, you will understand that uh, in, in when, uh, when there's going to be a trial, the, before that trial takes place, there has to be an investigation. And so Jesus Christ is in the heavenly sanctuary, and he is doing the investigation. So in AD 1844, he entered in the investigative phase of the judgment. And then there is going to be the second phase of the judgment. That is going to be the executive phase of judgment. And then the final phase of judgment will be the rewards of the judgment, the punishment of the judgment. But I want to encourage the church today to understand that in this investigative judgment, God is working out plans for us. So here we go. In October 22, 1844, Jesus did not come. And so for Seventh-day Adventists, that date brings back many feelings. It brings back many things to mind. First, it brings back a warm feeling of our heritage. Those who stood up for the cause, those who were courageous, in the midst of laughter and ridicule and disappointment, they stood up and they went back to the word of God and they studied. Then there are those, the, those things that remind us of the beginning of the Seventh-day Adventist church. It came up just about A.D. 1844. Then also, we are... When we look back at, at uh, A.D. 1844, we see the theological understanding that formed the basis for this A.D. 1844. Then we also 
we see pictures of we see pictures of the apocalypse, the beast, and we see charts. We see the, the longest time prophecy that brings us down to the end of time. We see the, the making of great things for the church of God. We see the, the, the marking of the beginning and we see significant events. That have taken place after that great disappointment. You know, but therefore, but for others, they see a flashback of disappointment, of failure, and also embarrassment. But you know, in all of this, our focus continues to be on Jesus Christ. As William Miller's focus was also on Jesus Christ. And through the period... He never gave up. Then there were others who came along after, during the time and after William Miller. And one of them was Ellen Gold Harmon, who married to James White and became Ellen G. White. Yes. And as she commented on the value of, of, of what was done. This is what she says here. She says that in reviewing our past history. Having traveled over every step of advance to our present standard. I can say praise God. As I see what God has wrought. I am filled with astonishment and with confidence in Christ as leader. We have nothing to fear for the future. Except as we shall forget, and I hope we do not forget. Except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us in the past. He who has led us in the past will not abandon us by the way. He who has led us in the past will continue to lead his church. And this church militant will one day become the church triumphant. And that is what Jesus said to Peter upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So the big question is, what caused the great disappointment? What caused it? Let's go to the book of Daniel, chapter 8 and verse 14. It says, And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the what church? Then shall what? The sanctuary be what? Be cleansed. So let's look at what caused this great disappointment. Now Daniel was in vision. And then the angel of the Lord came to him. So the antecedent here of he is the angel. And he, the antecedent of he is the angel. And the angel said unto me. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. 
And then the angel was gone and left Daniel in a dilemma. Daniel did not understand what this meant. And so Daniel decided that he was going to go down in prayer and fasting. Yes. And he prayed and he fasted for long. And there the angel returned in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 21 to give him the explanation of this 2200 days prophecy. And here what it says here. Daniel says that while I was still in prayer. You know that is why it's good to be in prayer. And when the, when the, the things of life perplex us. The best place to go in Azor is on our knees in prayer. You know, I remember I, uh, when I was in school, there was some place in the, in the dormitory where there was a picture of a man on his knees. But there was another one that was standing tall. And underneath it says that the, the, the child of God on his knees reaches further up to God than the philosopher on tiptoes. In other words, when the child of God is in prayer with his God, oh, he reaches in the very throne room of God. And here Daniel says that while I was in prayer, Gabriel, and who is Gabriel? Gabriel is the archangel, am I right? Gabriel is the, is the angel that replaced Lucifer. The archangel, the chief angel. So Gabriel came down. He said, the man I had seen in the earlier vision. He came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. That's what he says. And then he instructed me and said to me, Daniel... I have now come to give you insight and understanding. God sent this angel to Daniel to give him insight and understanding. Insight in the deep things of God. Illumination in the, in the great things of God. And that is how God works. He can give all of us illumination and inspiration in his word. So we can understand them and apply them. To our lives. Apply them to our hearts. And apply them to the daily situation that we face each day. So Daniel 9.23. This is what says. As soon as you began to pray. A word went out which I have come to tell you. For you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. What caused the disappointment? That's what we are looking at. So here it is. And he said unto me, And the 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now, according to the explanation of, the, of Gabriel, the prophecy began in 457 B.C. and ended in 
1844. That's why we have A.D. 1844. But what happened here now? William Miller and the pioneers, they had the date work out right. Everything was correct as far as the dates were concerned. Everything was correct. The only thing that was incorrect was that event. That's right. That event that would fulfill the entire prophecy. So here we go. Now, what happened between, what is it that happened between 457 B.C. and A.D. 1844? What happened? There are several things that happened. We're not going to go through the detail as to ex explain to you how they arrive at what they arrive at. So we don't have the time for that this morning. But I wanted to understand that five big events took place. Between 457 B.C. and A.D. 1844, there are five big events that took place. Let's look at them. What are these? Now, I have a chart here that I'm going to ask you to follow. The first big event took place in 457 B.C. That first event, which I call event number one, is that the children of Israel were in captivity in Babylon. And according to the calculation here by the pioneers, during that time, there was a decree that was given for the children of Israel to go back to Jerusalem. Darius the Mede gave that decree. Because by now, the world was ruled by the Medes and the Persians. So that command was given. And the Israelites packed up their things. They got together and they moved back to Jerusalem. That part of the vision was fulfilled by date, 457 B.C. Then the next event, which I call event number two, took place in A.D. 27. And that was the baptism of Jesus Christ. According to the calculation that was done from 457 B.C. to A.D. 27, that would bring us down to the second event that would be the baptism of Jesus Christ. Then the third event would be in A.D. 31. The third event, Jesus Christ was crucified. Because when you go through the prophecy, it shows you the time period. We won't go through that this morning. But we're just looking at the events. Then let's look at the fourth event. The fourth event was the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was one of the, the seven deacons. And he was preaching and he was stoned. 
at the stoning of Stephen, two things took place. Number one, Paul, the great apostle, was one of those persecuted who was actually uh, uh, responsible for the stoning of Stephen. And while he was standing there, holding the garment of Stephen, he saw Stephen suffering and he was, he was, he was stoned. Then Stephen died. Paul was converted. The, 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 the Jewish nation was no more recognized as a nation spiritually. As God special people. But after that, the, the, the gospel was opened up to the Gentiles. And then God brought in all those who are supposed to be saved. That is why the apostle Peter went down to Joppa to see Cornelius who was a Gentile and brought the gospel to him. That is why he had this vision when he said that I will not eat anything common or unclean. But then the angel said to him, call no man common or unclean because every person is eligible for entrance into the kingdom of God, having been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so today, the gospel is open up, not to any particular race, not to any particular nation, not to any particular person, but all of us who reach out to Jesus Christ in faith, we can be saved from our sins. And so the message today is, that Jesus Christ is looking for everyone who wants to be saved in the kingdom of God. Now, how many events did I talk about? Five of them. How many of you are gone already? So we still have one to come. Am I right? All right. So this, this, this one here now. This is the one that, 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 that gave rise to the great disappointment. This is the one. So let's look at it here. Number five. Here, A.D. 1844. What happened at that time? This, this is what happened. The investigative judgment began. But listen. The, the pioneers, they read the whole books of the Old Testament. The law or the Torah or the Pentateuch. And as they came to the, as they came, as they, they went through the different books, they noticed that there was in Israel a day of atonement. And that day of atonement was when the high priest would, would go in the most holy place because the tabernacle was built. As a matter of fact, there were three parts to the tabernacle. There was the courtyard where where the people met and bought and sold their animals. There was the outer court where the daily sacrifice was offered on behalf of the sinners. They would bring their turtle dove, they would bring their goats, their, well, their lamb, and they would offer their sacrifices. But you know, once a year, the people had to cleanse themselves. Once a year, they had to clean up their, their lives and they had to come up to the, to the tabernacle 
and there the high priest would go in the most holy place. And there he would atone for the sins of the people. So the pioneers look at that and they say, well, it means therefore then that Jesus Christ would have to come. He would have to come. If that, that day of atonement means that it began in A.D. 1844, then Jesus would have to come. And they thought that the earth would be cleansed. But it was not the earth. It was that Jesus went on into the mediatorial work of pleading for our sins. And you know, I'm glad that Jesus Christ is atoning for my sins. And the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find help in time of need. For we have not an high priest that is not touched with the feelings of our sicknesses or infirmities or disease of sin. We can come to Jesus Christ. You know, uh, I, I, I have a little, uh, a little piece of paper that I, I carry around with me every now and again. It's usually in my Bible. I got it in, in 1979. Pope John Paul II went to England. And, uh, in, in, and he, had, he had a mass in Piccadilly Circus. And there in that mass he called all the priests in England. And he said I want you to go to all the prisons in England. And I want you to forgive every prisoner their sins. You know as I thought about it. I say thank God for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Because we don't need the priest for our, for our sins to be forgiven. No. We need Jesus Christ. He is our sin bearer. And he says that, you know, Peter says that we are a royal priesthood. Meaning that every one of us, we can carry our own sacrifice to Jesus. You don't need anyone to come between you and God. You can talk to God for yourself. You can reason with God for yourself. You can bring your burdens to God for yourself. Because he is our sin bearer. Not only that. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmity. What's an infirmity? An illness, a weakness, a sickness, a disease. Whatever afflicts the soul, Jesus Christ knows about it. And so we have this high priest today who is pleading. But you know, as the great disappointment rang out and the people were on their way home, there was one of the pioneers, his name is uh, Hiram Edson. And so he and two friends, they study about the sanctuary in heaven. And they came to the conclusion that Christ had come to the most holy place that is in heaven. He entered upon the second phase of his heavenly ministry. And he is still in that most holy place today. 
And here it is called the sanctuary. Hear what Ellen White says. She says, we must follow Christ into the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. Because only then will we see that the great moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, is still in effect and binding upon everyone. Only then will we see that the Sabbath day of the Fourth Commandment is also still in effect and binding upon everyone. You know, you cannot separate God's commandment from God's activities. And so, those who are able to preach this message must also embrace the Seventh-day Sabbath. Those who are able to preach this message must also be able to put that together with God's holy law. All ten of them important. Not that you are going to be saved by keeping them. But once you are saved, you must be obedient to the word of God. There is no such thing as a disobedient person who is saved. You are saved to be obedient. You know, there are those who teach, well, you know, if you want to be saved, you have to do good works. And they say that uh, as you are saved, as you are saved, it must be, must, must be that your work, your good work outweighs the bad work. And then once your good work tilts the scale, it doesn't matter what's on this side, you will make it. But I want to say to you today that that is the devil's lie. That is the devil's lie. For those who want to be saved, there must be complete surrender to Jesus Christ. For those who are going to make it in the kingdom of God, there must be absolute surrender to the ways of Christ. For those who are going to be making it in the kingdom of God, they must throw themselves upon the rock Christ Jesus and be broken. You know why? Because if you don't do that, the rock is going to fall on you. Oh, my friend, I prefer to throw myself on the rock than for the rock to fall on me. And so today, Jesus Christ is restoring the sanctuary message. Jesus Christ is restoring the sanctuary truth. And he needs to do that. You know why? Because there is a power that seeks to undermine the sanctuary work. And the sanctuary ministry of Jesus Christ. There, there are those who seem to take, want to take it away from Christ. And say that they are the vicar of Christ. In place of Christ. But I'm happy that as Jesus entered into the heavenly sanctuary. He is restoring first of all. He is restoring the altar of sacrifice. Justification by faith. That is cast down. And there are those who want to teach that you can make it into heaven. By paying penance for your sin. By doing good works. You know. According to the doctrine of purgatory. Have you ever heard the word purgatory? Alright. Purgatory. There's simply this. Is that. If, if you. If. If you in your life, if you have if you have not been so bad, you know you, you have not been so bad 
You might not be all to get a good, but you're not so bad. And then you die. You, there are two possibilities based upon the teachings of purgatory. You can either go to hell or you go to heaven. But because you are not so bad, you should have been going to hell. But there's a holding place that is called purgatory. You go there and you wait a while. If your relatives are rich enough, they, or if they don't have the cash, they can sell their house. You know, and for those of us who are from the islands, we can sell our goats and our cows and everything. And then you would go to the priest and you would give them this money. I mean, I'm, this is, this is uh, what I'm telling you, you know, it's not something that I've made up. It is actually so. And you would give them the money and then they would pray you out of purgatory. And once, and sometimes they will tell you that they are praying for you, but the money is not enough. You must bring more because you are almost out, but you're not out yet. So there's some more money that is needed. And then you go back and you bring some more money and they say, finally, he's finally in heaven. You know, this is why Jesus Christ, this is why Jesus Christ died. To destroy that theory. The just shall live by faith. Then Jesus Christ restore the lava. Well, as we are, one of these days I will explain to you all these different things that were in the earthly sanctuary. There was the lava or a, 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 a basin of water that was kept in the outer court for the people to wash their hands. That represented baptism by immersion. That, was, that is also taken away from the church. It was taken away where you go to church, you are not baptized, but you are sprinkled. Or they baptize you where you are an infant. And there might be those of you here who were baptized when you were an infant. That is not baptism. Oh yes, when you are baptized, you are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, into the burial of Jesus Christ. When somebody dies, you don't just sprinkle earth on them. You dig hole and you put the body inside and cover it up. Am I right? That is how it is with baptism by immersion, which means to go under. That is also taken away from the church. And then it is restored through Jesus Christ. Then also... Outside, there was a candlestick that burned day and night. Yes, that was a symbol of the weakness of the gospel. And I want you to understand that based upon how the, the earth operates, there is no place where there's always somewhere around the world where people are praising God. For while you are sleeping, some people are working. And while you are working, some people are sleeping. So all the, all the time, God's name is being hollered and, and praise is being ascended up to God around the world. For people are sleeping someplace now. Others are getting ready to go to bed. Oh, yeah. Then also was restored. The table of showbread was always present. That represents the study of the word of God. Did you know that one time only the priest could read the word of God? The Bible was chained to the desk in the, in the, in the, in the, 
in the church, and you couldn't touch it more, more than that, if you were not able to speak Latin, you couldn't understand it because it was written, translated from Greek to Latin. But I thank God that all of us have copies of the Bible now. Amen? You don't even have to buy Bibles anymore. You can just go on your smartphone and, lo- and download it. Am I right? Oh, yes. People don't even... But, but what you need is the Word of God in any form, in any shape, as long as you read it. Amen? Yes, and we are open to study the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It brings light and life and it illuminates the heart. I remember when I was in in, in elementary school, before we go home from school, we would have to say prayers. They don't say it anymore. You know, we'd have to say prayers. And I remember I used to say, before we go home, uh, lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils. And, and you know, I, I, I didn't know that I was calling upon God to lighten my darkness. It was something that I recited. I didn't even knew the meaning of it. But right there, I was calling upon God to enlighten my ignorance. And today, All of us must be praying earnestly and gently asking God sincerely every day to enlighten us, illuminate us through the word of God. Then my friend, the altar of incense, prayer. You don't have to go to anybody to offer your prayer and ask anybody to pray for you. You can pray Pray to God for yourself. And the nice thing, you don't have to have any, a, any verbose uh, way of doing it. You don't have to have this great uh, vocabulary. You, all you need is to, to talk to God and he understands it. And you know what happened? Oh, the, the Jesus Christ translates your prayer so that it can be understood in heaven. And the prayer of the saints, of the saints, move the arms of omnipotence. I am happy that I can go to God myself. I can go to Jesus Christ. And don't tell me that you can't pray. You might not be able to pay, pray in public. That's okay. As a matter of fact, Jesus rebuked those who prayed in public sometimes. Because they prayed because they want to be seen of people. And they believe that their multiple words can change the mind of God. But all you need to do in humility. Sometimes all you need to say like that pub, that, that I was going to say Republican. <laughs> that publican, we smoothed his breast. And he said, Lord. Have mercy on me. You know, the faintest cry of the saints of God in heaven re-echoes a thousand times throughout heaven. The feeblest cry of God's saint in trouble reverberate a million times through the corridors of heaven and summon God's attention. Gabriel and the angels are sent to your rescue.
So here we go today. God restored the Ark of the Covenant that contains the Ten Commandments that was cast down. And today, I want to encourage us. I want to encourage you. Let us go back to the Word of God. Let us do what, church? Let us go back to the what? To the Word of God. Let's pay attention to God's voice. You know, in the word of God, God speaks to us. When we go to pray, we talk to God. But in his word, he speaks to us. If you want to hear God talking, read the word. And you know, as, as, a, as a pastor, I always try to prescribe medication for my members. And I am going to give you a prescription today. Well, you're going to say, you know, the pharmacist is going to say, well, pastor, how are you going to prescribe medication and you not even examine the patient? Well, I have done that already. And every patient has the same problem. So this is my prescription to you today. Write it down. I am not going to write it for you. You have to write it yourself. Three chapters a day. What did I say? Three chapters a day. Taken in prayer with much contemplation. That is your prescription for the rest of the week. How many chapters a day? Three chapters a day. Taken with much prayer and deep contemplation. So, my friend, Jesus Christ today, where is he? He is in the most holy place where judgment has begun for all of us. And Peter says that judgment has begun at the house of God. You know what that means? That one day your name might come up. And then Jesus Christ, when he's finished, one of these days is going to be finished. When he's finished, he's, he will walk out of the most holy place. He will say, he that is unjust, let him be what? Let's read it. There we go. He that is unjust, let him be. Uh, and he which is filthy, let him be. And he that is righteous, let him be. And he that is holy, let him be. That will be the end of the investigative judgment. You and I will have no more time for repentance. So my dear friend, Jesus is standing at the door. He's waiting. He's pleading. He wants to come in. I ask you today, give him your all. Give him everything. Accept his sacrifice for your sin. Make sure that you apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your heart, to your life. Don't go from this place today because any day now, Jesus.
Jesus will take off his priestly robe. He will put on his kingly crown. He will take up his scepter. And he will move towards earth. He will be coming to take us home. I want to ask you today. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you are not yet baptized. If you have not yet taken Jesus Christ in your heart. I ask you today to do so. Study the word of God. Get in the habit of praying and becoming a witness of the word of God. Remember to keep, oh yes, the commandments of God, including the fourth commandments. We're very happy that you're here today. And you're going to study the word of God and apply the word to your heart and to your life. So, I say to you today, Jesus has borne it all for you. He who is your sacrifice becomes your savior. He who is your sacrifice becomes your surety of salvation. I ask you today to join me as we reconsecrate our lives to Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. Let's repeat it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not what? But have what? Everlasting life. He says, come. let's read this again. Come to me, all you who are what? Weary and are what? Burden and I will what? I will give you rest. Oh, yes, my brothers and sisters. Today, he calls you. He says, come. Come. Come in your, come. Come in whatever state you are. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and, and humble in heart and you will find rest unto your soul. So he calls you today. He beckons you to come. Come. It makes a difference that you belong to Jesus. So as I close this message today, I want to encourage those of you who have given your hearts to Jesus Christ. Don't let anything cause you to lose your grip on Jesus Christ. Keep holding on. Because only those who are courageous for the cause will be saved. God is able to keep you. I invite you to stand with me at this time, please. As you give your life to Jesus Christ, as you rededicate yourself to him today, I say to you, it will not be easy. It will not be, it will not be easy. But Jesus Christ will see you through. Our Heavenly Father, thank you today, O oh God, for our pioneers. Thank you for those to whom you have revealed the word. It was, it was difficult for them as they got the event incorrect. But oh Lord you were still there with them. Today we stand at this end. Help us to hold on to your word. Help us to trust you. Help us to be obedient to you. 
Lord, we rededicate ourselves to you now. We reconsecrate ourselves to you. We give ourselves anew to you today. Take us and keep us. And when you come, save us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.